truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand. But let's face it. We're not really all that much in demand around here, but you put up with us nonetheless. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. We've got a new guest contributor uh, this week for our Dace Group Roundtable, DC McAllister. You'll get to know her and some of her opinions uh, coming up here in just a little bit. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. You're looking at me like I already did something wrong. No, I'm looking at you for okay. wisdom and guidance like okay. always, boss. Now I know I did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Steve and Steve Day Star. I was going to say, I, was, I, haven't, I haven't even given a, a take yet. Patience. I'm going to blow it. This- I tr- trust me. You've been here long enough to know I am going to blow this thing. It just hasn't happened. Do yet. we have that? Have we been together long enough now that it's like a married couple? Because yes, this is I what just, your wife does to you. What do you look like? This is just my face, yes, man. Yes, it's my face. It's what I look like these days. It's what I bring to the table. Indeed. <laughs> yes. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, you'll have the Dace Group coming up here in a moment. Our weekly look at the week that was, plus some feedback Friday as we respond to your responses to us. But, you know, we talk a lot about, hey, what does conservative mean on this show and and what are the things we're trying to conserve and that's one of the reasons uh, that glenn beck and some of the vips here at the blaze are hosting a cruise next spring it's called the cruise through history and there's going to be plenty of fun all right i know i've kind of built up the history aspects of this in the past i mean there's going to be plenty of gourmet food nightlife you know water all that other stuff you expect on a cruise you're going to get plenty of that but there is going to be some good old-fashioned learning as well as you sail through the eastern mediterranean visit italy croatia jerusalem israel athens greece explore the roots of western civilization which gave birth to this thing uh, we call american exceptionalism and you can bring your kids and your grandkids as well if you want to get more information about this special once in a lifetime trip next year and that's where we're, we're giving you the heads up now so you have plenty of time to plan get all the details and the various packages available when you go to this website, comesailaway.com. That's come sail away, all one word, like the sticks song from back in the day. Comesailaway.com. And now it is time for the day's group. A complete and total ripoff of the McLaughlin Group. That's right. We took the logo, music, everything. But John has passed on now, so I don't think he'll mind. Uh, Brought to you by our friends at Swiss America. Many truth bombs will be dropped here for the rest of this hour. And they drop tons of truth bombs at Swiss America as well. They're especially concerned about the sort of activities they're seeing companies like Google engage in now. And we're not even talking uh, some of the social media censorship we will be talking about in this hour. But when they see them aligning with our chief economic competitor and rival China to produce a social credit system right out of a literal Black Mirror episode, well, they they study these kinds of geopolitical trends and these kind of socioeconomic trends domestically uh, and globally as well because they want to help you protect what you have earned. If you want to get this free report, this latest one, hey, what is big tech and big government? What are they up to? Uh, you want to get The Secret War is the name of their latest report, The Secret War, and you can get it for free by giving them a call. 
call at 800-289-2646. That's 1-800-289-2646 or visit their website at SwissAmerica.com. Let's get to issue one in your weekly look at the week that was the tradition unlike any other. Bleep Democrats say. What a beautiful day to liberate ourselves from student debt. Necesitamos incluir cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. There's something that sets me apart from all my colleagues running in this race. That is for the last 21 years I've been raising a black son in America. We will also importantly confront the causes of this immigration, one of which is we have climate refugees now because the climate crisis is making Central America uninhabitable for large parts of people. La situación ahora es inaceptable. The word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think most sexual. people think of rape as being sexy. I believe in reproductive justice. And, you know, what that means is that just because a woman, or let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female, uh, is poor, doesn't mean they shouldn't have exercise that right to choose. See, think about the despicable people we've had in history. Okay, now I'm going to use an extreme example. Um, think about Hitler. If you could look back on in history, would you say, well, I'm so glad that that person was allowed a platform so that they could spread their hate and propaganda and lies? Or would you say, it probably wasn't the right thing to do to spread that because you knew in the moment that that was a bad person and they were doing bad things. Me llamo Julian Castro y estoy postulando por presidente de los Estados Unidos. I've listened to some of my colleagues, Mr. Glover, uh, tell you how much they like your movies. And I have to say, we didn't come here to talk about your movies. We came here to talk about your activism. I like your activism. I also like your movies, but I want to give you a chance because I haven't heard the other side other than tell you that, that they like their movies. They, that they like Who here would abolish their private health insurance in favor of a government-run plan? Just a show of hands starting off with. So yes, I'm with Bernie on Medicare for All, and let me tell you why. Well, we're here today to say student debt is not the result of bad choices or behavior. In 1933, there were concentration camps. In 1941, they were death camps. And that is where we are going if our, our consciences are not quickly pierced. It is a problem. Let me, President Obama, I think, did a heck of a job. To compare him to what, what this guy's doing is absolutely, I find, close to immoral. Yes, they will pay more in taxes. This is supposed to be the party of working people. Yes, we're supposed to be for a 70% tax rate on the wealthy. Yes, we're supposed to be for free college, free public college for our young people. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. Raise your hand if, gover- if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. Okay. My time's up, I'm sorry. Is Eric Swellwell's candidacy brought to you by Blue Chewy? Like, I mean, whenever he's on, don't sperm counts and T levels all across the country. I mean, if you're, he is, he's got to be one of the hidden reasons. <laughs> DC, 
<laughs> Affirmative. He's got to be one of the hidden reasons America's in a demographic apocalypse right now. People are failing fertility treatments. It's, it's, it's him going national. But let's let's get to the main issue here. What, what is the several troubling issues that Aaron has addressed uh, in his weekly montage? And DC, since you're, you're new here, we'll start with you right away. We'll break you in. What was your favorite bit of crazy from Aaron's montage this week? And tell us why. Okay, well, as the chick on the panel, I have to go with Jean Carroll's The Rape is Sexy Thing. Uh, crazy. I, I don't know what she's referencing. She's watched too much Fifty Shades of Grey or something. I don't know. But that was insane. And it just shows that, you know, these women who come out of the woodwork after Trump, they have an agenda. She has a book to sell and she's saying crazy things. And people like the folks over at CNN who give them legitimacy, uh, that just speaks a lot about them and what they think about women. How about Anderson Cooper's? Uh, we'll be right back after this. After oh, she, after she went her. there. <laughs> no, yes, I would have gotten out quickly too. I, you know, yeah, ridiculous. I don't even know what she's referencing. I think uh, your reference to Fifty Shades of Grey and, and reading too much of that. I mean, wasn't there a movie last summer with a bunch of, that starred a bunch of actresses right around her age? I thought I saw oh. it, where they were reading that book or oh, something. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I was, was going to say, that was a test, by the way. Aaron, if you knew what that was, you were going to be fired right on the spot. You just needed to know that. All right, that was a it's test. It's shocking how many women do read that. You know, like 40% of the women who read Fifty Shades are Christian, older women. Hmm. Yeah, it's disturbing. Don't, it is. Yeah, don't get us started on our broken church conversations. Yes, DC, right? all right. So, Todd, what was your favorite? Uh, one, one crazy at a time, please. Todd, uh, your favorite bit of cray-cray. It's, it's everybody, without even flinching, raising their hands about free whatever care for illegal immigrants uh, because it perfectly encapsulates the broader conversation over two debates, them having this. If, if, even if you are the, the Democrat that Steve often talks about, union household, things like that, I, the, border, the level of border crisis that we have and all the time was spent on that soap opera issue, I, I, implied in all that, it, it's... It, it has nothing to do with you, average Americans. It has nothing to do with your wages. It has nothing to do with your safety. It all has to do with people who don't live in our country, aren't citizens of our country, oftentimes when they come to our country, are a danger to themselves and others. It, it, it perfectly encapsulates the utter scam that the, is this voter drive uh, of the Democrats and where their heart really lies. It, it, it is not with you, America, even those of you who keep pulling this lever. This is the average white Americans version of what m increasing numbers of black Americans are telling you about how they've been used for political purposes and have gotten nowhere decade after decade after decade. You just saw it right there. Um, yes, Todd. Blue working class America. Yes, Todd, but D Bill de Blasio wants you to know that he has a black son. <laughs> yes, stewardess, I speak jive. How about uh, how about the applause that, oh, yeah, that, he, well, that, they all, that they received for that? Like That was like standing ovation. That was going uh, on the that. whole time about any issue. I mean, yeah, kill the babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Aaron, yeah, go ahead and uh, so, uh, get high on your own supply. Uh, what would you like about your own montage? Um, I'm I'm going to go a little bit off the board here, but I like I I really loved the uh, Marianne Williamson just saying um, 
I am going to use, her, that was from her final statement, I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I mean, it's just, even the crazy person, like that really weird, crazy, surreal, um, high as uh, a kite on the 4th of July, you know, that type of person, even they're like, yeah, this is all just about power to me. Um, that's that says a lot, even even when the uh, the person who is maybe clinically insane on your on your on your uh, you know debate says, uh, yeah, even love, it, we're going to use that for political purposes as well. That was that was fun, but she was entertaining. I will give her that. Who is she? A I don't know who she is. A spiritual guru, author writes like spiritual self help. So she's like a thing. Oh, she's right now. Yeah. I had heard you, of her. You know, you know some stuff about her, DC. Go ahead. Well, she's Oprah's buddy. I think she's really uh, into. That, you know, so she's like yeah. that, that Eckhart Tolle and the secret and that kind of camp. Is that exactly. what you're kind of talking when, about? When her, uh, also, her calling uh, New Zealand. Yes. Oh, I love that answer. What, what's the first thing you're going to do when you're in the, I'm calling New Zealand. Like what, for vacation, timeshare? Well, it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily as, as repetitive and predictable as when Carly Fiorina used to say in every debate last time for the Republicans. As a woman. F- as a woman. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to do is call my friend Bibi Netanyahu. But, you know, it's got a nice beat and you can dance to it, right? I'm going to call New Zealand because I've always wanted to visit the place where they film Lord of the Ranks. Like if she would have gone there next, I might have, I might have voted for that. Oh, she was a delightful meme. I mean, she was a nice sidetrack. I enjoyed it. Exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 representing uh, something as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's uh, T-level, and 10 being Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism, rank this week's level of cray-cray, Todd? Mostly I answer subjectively speaking, because we're in this water all the time, and so we've got this bar almost yeah, we're a little impossible. callous to but this, we've covered ob- every day. Objectively right. speaking... Because we didn't think they were going to run on policy, at least in the we thought they were going to run on all Trump, right. and there was more Trump the second time. But they're they're at a nine uh, these last couple of days. I mean, really, they are right there, fully embracing the crazy. Yeah, I mean, if I was the dean of the Berkeley faculty department, I would be nervous. I've got some real competition right now. DC, give this a number on a scale of one to ten. Rate the number of cray cray in your mind. I'm going to give them an eight because I think they have room to improve. They're crazy. Jeez. But their focus on identity politics is just making them insane in, in, in a truly pathological sense. See, that's a good coach right there. You know, when your team just has an outstanding outing, you don't want their heads to get big, right? right? So you kind of you knock them down a peg or two and you let them know, even though <laughs> yeah, they can still improve. You can still dial, Spinal Tap can still dial this thing up to 11. Aaron, go ahead. I'm giving it a nine at this point, and that's that's uh, that's pretty uh, that's pretty good coming from me. It is because everybody knows you hate everything. Yep. Let's get to issue two. So, how did Uncle Joe hold up? It was a tough night for Uncle Joe. I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist, and I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, 
It cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. Obama-Biden administration was... The uh, Obama-Biden administration deported more than three million Americans. My question to you is if an individual is living in the United States of America without documents, and that is his only offense, should that person be deported? No. Depending if they committed a, a major crime. They should be deported. And the president was left in his... President Obama, I think, did a heck of a job. To compare him to what, what this guy's doing is absolutely, I find, close to immoral. After that, the media certainly didn't run cover for him either. This is a bad night for Joe Biden. It's a bad night for Democrats. Maybe, I think it's a bad night for his surrogates, too. I mean, because there is this uh, way in which Joe Biden is sort of using the... I have a black best friend argument. He says it all the time. He's like, age is a totally legitimate yeah. issue. Yeah. Watch me. Yeah. Well, the country well. watched him tonight. And and some of his performance, I think he fed into the Trump frame uh, around Joe Biden. This uh, uh, raising questions of, uh, you know, is it the same Joe Biden? Is he at all missing a step? But I think one of Joe Biden's critical missions tonight was to narrow that delta in terms of his campaign moving forward. And I don't think he did anything to assuage the concern. Let's get to the first question here, Todd. I'll start with you on a scale of one to 10, with one again representing Lindsey Graham's pathetic T-level and 10 being Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. Rank how Uncle Joe performed in last night's Woke Olympics. I think it's a... Three, not, not a good night. And remember what I told you. And these should be her yard signs. Kamala Harris, she'll cut you. I mean, she flat out will. And to her credit, I mean, she's the one. You win. saw that. You saw yeah. that's a that's a closing statement from a prosecutor. Yeah. The the facts fitting fitting the facts into the narrative that you're trying to convince the jury is true. That you've spent the time during the trial cementing in their minds, and then you close with that personal testimony to give it emotional reinforcement and power. Yeah. Uh, hey, I was one of those bust kids, and I bet you he never saw that coming whatsoever. Had no idea about that about her, and that may not even be true. Let's be honest; we don't know. But it's it's it it was one hell of a devastating oh. tactic. I thought, and right away I said on Twitter, you know. He's uh, he's fighting for his reputation right now, not the presidency, and and that's a loss. Uh, he he is he he is the Democrat Party safety. Now define what you mean by that. I want you to make a finer point. Are you saying that regardless of what you think of his politics, here's a guy that has served in government for as long as you and I've been mm-hmm. alive. He was the first black president's vice president for eight years. And and now they're trying to suddenly uh, paint him as a racist. Yeah. When his his life, for better or for worse, has been largely well known for four right. to five decades. Is that what you're concerned well, yeah, about? And that's what, he, he's the Democrat Party's safety school. Mm-hmm. So, and, and and psychologically, how you deal with that? It's you know, it's, yeah, it wouldn't be so bad, but it's it's not really great either. And where you end up emotionally on any given day, and how you accept that, and people think, well, he could stand on a stage with Biden, and that's why we're putting him up there. And he's he was, the only candidate that comes from a generation in their in their field out of twenty five. Mm-hmm. He's the only candidate that comes for a gen- from a generation where tolerating people like us as neighbors was still mm-hmm. something that you know just was expected mm-hmm. and acceptable bernie does as well but he's but he's a soviet so he's mm-hmm. in a he's in a different class and and now you're seeing them essentially yeah. go out to destroy him is that what you're saying yeah and so right now most people are on the 
uh, safety school all this would really suck kind of feeling and who knows how long that lasts we're so fickle but after last night what i have been telling you for months is going to happen they're not just going to let joe biden stand you said as much camilla harris sure as hell isn't after what she was willing to do with willie brown to make sure she's a a beautiful young woman does not does not practice the oldest trick in the book with a complete dirtbag like willie brown then work her way all the way up here after oh, with those opportunities as hard as she has only to let pete Buttigieg of mayor of exactly. an armpit city in indiana bypass her or a guy who's 80 and is and is way past his prime she was never going to do that yeah. so hey can, she's way too ambitious so joe biden cannot last if he has to spend all his time doing this kind of thing it's simply impossible he will not be the candidate in fact he may drop out before the end of the year wow what do you think dc your thoughts no, I agree. I, I don't think he's going to be the nominee. It's going to come down to Harris and Bucic. Uh, because, again, I hate to keep hitting on this, but the identity politics thing. And you saw Joe Biden getting caught in the uh, Democratic trap of that. What he should have said to her, if he had been you know, a conservative, he would have turned to her and said, well, you know what? Facts are busing didn't work. I was right on that issue back then, right on it today. And black leaders and black communities know that I was right on that. Liberal blogosphere has written critical things in recent years about looking back on the busing issue, in fact. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, no, and and actually in in the urban areas, we have more segregation today than we did in 1954. Mm -hmm. You know, so you could just turn it back on her and say, you know, you you may have this little emotional, personal story that may be real, maybe not. But the facts of the matter is, for the rest of the American people, that was a bad decision. It was bad for the black community. He should have stood strong against her and Trump would have done that. I mean, that's one thing that we have learned from Trump. Speak boldly in the face of identity politics manipulation. But he's a Democrat man, he's high on the estrogen and he can't do that. Because then he'd look like he's beating up on, on the on the marginalized group. Right. Yeah. But that was that's the quandary that he's in. So he does have a record and he's gonna get continue to get beaten down by the media preferred identity group candidates. And I hate to even put it in those terms, but they do. It shouldn't even matter, but it matters to them. And race was a top topic um, in last night's debate, and it will continue to be. It's, it's just the same thing that we get from Democrats. They have nothing new because it actually works within the Democrat base. It just does. I I, I saw a lot of takes last night from people who were shocked he didn't have better answers to this prepared. You know, given that this is hardly his first rodeo, and maybe he's past his prime, and I don't know that it's not so much that he didn't have better answers than this prepared, as in he can't give any better answers because of what DC just articulated, the situation he's in. And, you know, we got this clue yesterday afternoon when his staff announced, you know, six hours before the debate that he wasn't going to go to the spin room afterwards. And and I think we might have even talked about this either here or in the overtime, which you know what's said in the overtime stays in the overtime. Mm -hmm. But I can just tell you, as someone who served on the debate prep team for a for a major presidential candidate. That, that, I mean, you are heavily vetting who goes into that room. That's almost as important as what is said on the stage because it sets a lot of the tone for the stories that get written, the, the 24 to 48 hour aftermath that go viral and stick in people's craws when the clips die down. And the idea that you would not expose yourself to that, to me, and I said this yesterday when we talked about it, it, it indicated to me they sense they just need to get the hell out of here. That, that, that There's no way they can win, so they're just trying oh. to get, get out of here with as least amount of damage as they possibly could. And it comes down to the question you asked me on the show yesterday, Todd, which is, does anybody have the stones to do this, to do it right to his face? Yeah. 
Kamala Harris had the stones to do it right to his face, and she did. Well, and what he doesn't realize is this debate is a microcosm of his standing in the entire party. That's what I meant yesterday. He, Jeb he, Bush 20, yeah. 2020. You, you were the token, Joe. We used you to get what we wanted. Right. That's why you were the vice president. We have moved on we from you. We needed an old white guy to make middle America yes. so, so, so Obama could win North Carolina and win Indiana to make these yes. states feel like that because that's how they feel like the people in those states believe. That's mm-hmm. what they think they are. I, so you're, you're right. You're exactly right about that. And I think, Aaron, the point DC made there, what other line of attack was he going to go to? Because anything he does to try to counter this just reinforces the, their own victimology identity politic narrative. What do you think? Yeah, not to brag, but to brag. I mean, pretty much everything I've said about the last two debates has been right on the money. And the thing that I said yesterday on the show was that the only person who I think was capable of actually inflicting some damage upon Joe Biden was Kamala Harris for the reasons that we just talked about, mm-hmm. because she ranks very high on that inter- intersectionality uh, stage. And it's a flip of the coin who gets the tiebreaker be- between her and Pete Buttigieg. And so we saw her do what needed to be done to weaken Joe Biden. Nobody up there on that stage was going to be able to do what she does or what she did. Uh, And I think the the point about not having any comebacks, you just have to stand there and take it. Whether it's online, the outrage mob, or whether it's on a debate stage, what we saw last night and what we witnessed was intersectionality and the mob mentality in action. And you saw Joe Biden either just standing there looking like he's about to break down or looking at his at, at his feet. That is what intersectionality, identity politics, whatever you want to call it, uh, that's what it does to you. And that's what we witnessed last night as well. As far as uh, Joe Biden's, you know, as far as his performance last night, to get back to the original question, I would say I would agree with Todd. I don't mean to repeat everything you're saying, Todd, but I would agree that a three is probably pretty appropriate. If his lead was the same as it was in the re- Real Clear Politics polling average in Iowa right now, as it is uh, in you know, three months, and this debate happened in three months, it could have been a lot more devastating, I believe, for Joe Biden. As it stands, he does have some time to recover. But then again, he might be past his prime. He might be old Joe instead of Uncle Joe at this point. So let's let's look at this and go further than down the political side of this, because the other thing, and you know, I pointed out on the show yesterday again, having worked and covered many campaigns, all campaigns are, and no matter the ideology that's being pushed, they, they are pretty much the same. You, you know, the fundamentals are the same. Now, the way you would push certain ideas to certain people differs, right? But the same thing, the same things you need to accomplish to sell shaving cream are the same things you need to accomplish to, you know, to, to sell pantyhose. It, it, you just, it, it's a different message to a different audience. When I see things like, and the staff, uh, anonymous sources leaking things uh, during, I mean, this was going on on Twitter during the debate last night. Where liberal media people are getting are leak are pointing out, hey, Biden's staff is in here in the in the spin room having a meltdown, and when when they're when they're using the media already, I did this once. I didn't like the strategy, and I was pretty open on, on it about it here on the show. And here I'm in a unique situation in the 16 primary where I'm working for the Cruz campaign, and I'm open about that, and I host a show, and I write. You know, and so I'm still expected to give opinions. I didn't like the strategy of of waiting, um, of of trying to take Marco Rubio out rather than competing with Trump, because I didn't think Marco Rubio was any threat to win the nomination. And the longer we let Trump get stronger and stronger after beating him in Iowa, I thought it was a bad strategy. And I, ultimately, I've I decided I wasn't being listened to. So I've got a platform. I got a show. I got a column, a national column. I'll use that to air my opinion. If you know, and and. But we were way into the race at that point. 
This is the first debate, guys. The race is just now beginning. You're the most proven commodity in the race, and your staff is already trying to speak to you through the media? Yikes. And so you look at the early primary calendar. I, I don't think Kamala Harris helped herself in Iowa, and here's why. I think, I think Elizabeth Warren already is way embedded with that same kind of audience. Kamala Harris and that shtick isn't going to play in the 33 rural Iowa counties that voted for Obama twice and Trump once. All right. So I don't think this helps her here. I do think it hurts Joe Biden here because his number one, his number one argument is electability. Uh, you go to New Hampshire. That's a wild card. It's a state that's a, the first primary. It's largely driven by name ID and they love their establishment candidates there. It's it's where John McCain went in 08 to get saved after a disastrous in Iowa. It's where Hillary went in 20, uh, 2008 after losing Iowa to Obama. Right. But but, you know, that's a neighboring state for Biden, a neighboring state for uh, for also Elizabeth Warren. And then the third state is South Carolina. Heavy black vote. And that's the number one margin for victory for Biden in all of these polls are black voters. And when you look at how truncated the Democratic primary schedule is, if you don't win one of those three early states, you're not winning the nomination. And so I definitely think Kamala Harris helped her fortunes in the state of South Carolina with what happened last night. But let's look at as an exit question. How bad is it going forward for Joe Biden? If the odds Biden will be the Democrat nominee were a Beatles song, which Beatles song would it be? A, yesterday. B, help. C, Tomorrow never knows. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, it's got to be help. Todd? It's absolutely help. Help. Is he already oh, yesterday's uh, news or can he be helped? DC, what do you think? He's crying for help, but he's not going to get any. Definitely not from the media. They want him out. Yeah, and I think, I, I think you saw in the reaction that they had last night. Yes, you're right about that. All right, we'll come back and... We're going to do a little true or false test as we continue the day group live and on demand right here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Stay tuned. One of the topics we're going to be addressing here in a moment uh, with the Dace Group Roundtable, looking back at the week that was, is the continued confrontation over uh, big tech, but really it's it's corporate America in general, uh, going full-fledged leftist progressive activist. We even talked about how this has impacted things theologically yesterday during Theology Thursday, that in many respects now you're, you're not just dealing with a fusion of paganism and politics. Um, you know, that that's happened every place disciples and evangelists and apostles have ever gone. Uh, but but you're dealing with a rare situation now in America, which is very which is right out of the book of Ephesus. You're you're dealing with a fusion of paganism with the marketplace now. And if you read the if you know the history of Ephesus when Paul arrived there and how even the 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 economy there was based off of the pagan religion, the worship of Diana, the worship of Artemis. And so Paul was in, was not just a, a theological or philosophical threat. But a but a, a a fiscal one as well, and when you when you when you threaten a culture on that level, you bring a whole other class of scorners and scoffers into the into the arena who really don't even care so much about spiritual matters as much as they do about making a buck, and that's where we're at right now, and that's why you want to figure out who should I be doing business with, who after I spend my money with them. Now sometimes we don't have options, okay, but if you do have an option where I spend my money, are they then going to spend that money against me and other? avenues. That's why you want to check out Patriot Mobile. Uh, in 2013, 
Uh, a group of conservatives got fed up with watching their cell phone bills going to the left. And so that's why they created Patriot Mobile. And since 2015, they have quietly raised over $2 million for a lot of the same causes that uh, that you support. And now they've got plans starting as low as $25 a month. So you can save money and help uh, save the country from uh, the rising tide of Marxism at the same time. Right now, Patriot Mobile is offering a free month of service on all new lines. That's right, a free month of service on all new lines. And switching is easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze for a free month of service. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Well, let's get to that topic. Issue three, true or false. Project Veritas conducted another sting this week, this time targeting Google. The sting featured undercover video of Google head of responsible innovation, Jen Janai, and an anonymous Google insider. Right after Donald Trump won the election in 2016, the company did a complete 180. Uh, now they're like, hey, there's a lot of hate, and because of there's a lot of hate and misogyny and racism, that's the reason why Donald Trump got elected. And so we need to uh, fix that. We need to start policing our users because we don't like to have an outcome uh, like that. We don't want to have an outcome like that to happen again. But 2020 is certainly on top of now my old organization, Justin Safety, is top of mind. They've been working on it since 2016 to make sure we're ready for 2020. They're not an objective source of information. They are a highly biased political machine. Um, that is bent on never letting somebody like Donald Trump come to power again. This latest example of outright political bias against the free flow of information by big tech is prompting again some people to ask the question, why aren't more people in power doing more to stop it? Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri last week introduced legislation aimed to end big tech's immunity to certain laws if they cannot provide clear and convincing evidence that their algorithms provide no bias. Other than that, though, from Republicans in Congress all the way up to President Trump, it's been... prompting political commentator Tim Poole to say what some people are thinking. This is why Republicans deserve to lose. So I looked at this Tim Poole because I saw this tweet going around, and I don't know how much you guys know about his background because I've not heard of him before. But um, hes I guess I'd describe him as a Joe Rogan type. Um, maybe a lefty libertarian might be a way I would describe him as a lefty libertarian Joe Rogan type. Uh, I think he used to write for Vox or, you know, some of those places over there on the left until they just didn't want to tolerate anything other than hammers and sickles anymore. So he's not writing as some, you know, conservative activist and the party won't listen to me type. He's just looking at this as somebody who's, you know, from a 10,000 foot view, uh, looking at this and saying, I mean, you, you guys can't see what they're trying to do to you. And you just, you know, seemingly seem disinterested in doing something about it. So, true or false? Is he right about that? And why? Aaron, I'll start with you. This is just another issue where this is uh, yep. absolutely true. I mean, this is one of, pick, pick your issue. Republicans are not, by and large, interested in representing the people who vote for them. What they're, by and large, again, mostly interested in, and these are the career politicians that I'm talking about, 
They are interested in getting checks for their re-election to lie to you so they can continue to get checks for their re-election so they can lie to you and then the cycle just goes on and on and on. They really work for those big checks and who writes those checks? Those are the big donors as well. So they really either uh, A, they have no concept, they have no, um, or maybe they're just ignorant uh, to some degree. They have no concept of what's going on and most of the time, even when they do, they just don't care. They just don't care about you. Uh, because what they care about is just working for the sugar daddies who write them t- checks so they can keep getting reelected by lying to you so they can keep getting checks from the sugar. It's just a never ending cycle. That is that is absolutely true, in my opinion, that this is why Republicans deserve to lose when you don't even stand up for the ability of the people who vote for you to actually have a voice and communicate, hey, I want to vote for this guy, even though, you know, this guy might be a complete squish and, uh, you know, basically a, a, a sellout. That's why you deserve to lose. If you can't even represent that and can't even get something done like that for your constituencies, you deserve it. I get an email from a listener after we talked about this yesterday and kind of laid out how corporate America has changed. And that is the major political realignment that's taken place in America. And a listener said, maybe the reason you don't see, with a couple of exceptions, more Republicans at all mobilizing against this is because many of the exact, he asked me, is it because many of the exact same conservative platforms and groups that are being targeted by big tech also have, also tend to be the biggest burrs in the saddle of the Republican Party? Uh, you know, and uh, cocaine Mitch would much rather be up there debating the smoking age uh, than, you know, having an actual existential fight with Democrats anyway. So the enemy of my enemy in this case is my friend. And, you know, they don't really care too much about, uh, you know, what people like us think, because if they lose the election, all that, all that happens is McConnell just moves into a slightly smaller office over there at the Rayburn building and gets a slightly smaller check of graft that he gets to send back to Kentucky to have a slightly smaller library named after him. But their, their lives really don't change all that much. And I read this email and I thought, holy crap, is that deviant? And then I thought, I can't believe I didn't think of that first, actually. What do you think, Todd? Well, Aaron nailed it. And because this is issue after issue after issue, what we always talk about is ultimately what is progressivism trying to get through uh, with all these institutions? Where are they going? They're finally going to the church and to God. That's what they really want to destroy. And what this absolutely reminds me of, Steve, and you, you're much better on the specificity of this, but like two years ago, you read a letter uh, on the show from an atheist to Christians and saying, man, I used to love battling you guys when you really brought it. You know, I had to bring my best and I don't agree with you. And he, and he, he, he lamented like, you guys suck at this now. You yeah. like, you pull all your punches. I get these emails from Ohio State fans after every Ohio State Michigan game these days and I'm, I'm kind of sick of receiving them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he said, listen, I wanted to beat you, but I never thought de facto you just deserved to lose. I knew I had to beat you. Now I don't really, like you just deserve to lose no matter what game I bring because you're so bad. You don't even believe your own arguments anymore so that that is absolutely where we live i and it right how much have we said this very thing outwardly we've said this tweet a hundred times this is why we're not republicans anymore this party just deserves to lose all the time dc your views on this what do you think 
I take a little bit of a different view, just as far as the balance and what's going on here, the different groups. I I totally agree that the Republicans are just scumbags a lot of the time and just want their their donor money. And they don't like the platforms also because they, you know, attack them as well. But I think there's another layer going on here. I also think that, especially in the conservative libertarian side, uh, there's this conflict that you always have with the antitrust and going after monopolies and this kind of thing is, uh, you know, what level do we have government intervention in these kinds of issues? And I, I think a lot of the tension you see from some people uh, in their quietness is that they don't quite know what to do mm-hmm. as far as, you know, how much should government do? What should That's government do? And how sh- how much should it insert itself into the marketplace? Because I'm telling you, we don't want liberals doing that on a regular basis for whatever they're concerned about. Uh, government is is the ultimate power here. Uh, yes, uh, big tech and corporations have their own kind of power, but they can't throw you in jail, whereas the government does. So you have to be careful about how you use government to right the ship of culture. And let's face it, historically. Um, a lot of these um, anti-monopoly uh, situations were also very culturally influenced. There was a big change going on in culture, and people were very concerned about it, and they wanted to rein it back in. And I think one of the big things that we're facing here, you, know, you mentioned the religious aspect, but notice that a lot of these conflicts are coming around the communications industries. And we have a problem in our society with objective truth. We don't have it. And this is one of the quandaries that Christians find themselves in when they're trying to debate. I think a lot of them have just given up. We've cloistered. You know, we've gone into the monasteries and we're hiding into the dark ages because there is no way to debate. There's just propaganda. There's yelling. There's you know, fighting. You try to have a reasoned debate with people, and they can't even agree on the presuppositions that we're bringing to the debate mm-hmm. because subjectivism reigns. We have a tyranny of subjectivism today, and that is a very difficult place for someone who is an objective truth believer to know how to wrestle that monster, how to engage it, and how to write that course. When you're going against the education system, you have pop culture reinforcing it with all the emotionalism, and you have it in policy. And so, how do you engage in a culture that has abandoned the very essence of debate and you say you want to make an argument you say you want to come out and defeat the culture yet you say there you make your arguments and then they don't even agree with the very realities that you're bringing to them Uh, it's almost like you're trying to teach a child who doesn't learn unless they experience it you try to teach them the abstract and the theory and to train them up in the way they should go but they're like i'm not going to listen to you until i fail until I experience it for myself and realize it doesn't work. And it's almost like our culture is in that frame of they're going to have to realize how bad subjectivism is because they're certainly not listening to anything objective. And I experience this daily, you know, in my work, in the arguments that I try to make. I, I have the choir going, yay, but, you know, I'm not really, I don't wonder if I'm really convincing anyone who doesn't even understand what logic is. It's, right it's, on the money. Con- You're right. That's right on the money. You, and that's why we've we've used the analogy of, it's it's hard. You you're, you just described the the mob outside Lot's house. You can't you can't reason with the mob outside of Lot's house. I totally agree with that. As mm-hmm. as for what is the what's the proper manifestation of government in these situations? So when this debate began uh, about a year ago, my knee jerk reaction was this is the last place we want government. Uh, starting to look at it more nuanced. What's wrong with just simply saying? Because here's, here's what I think, and, and I, I believe in this because of where I think they want to go. I, I think we live in, the, the, we live in the, the true corporatist, progressive alliance of the public and private sector. Uh, 
they've all made their billions. We've let them trade on, you know, publicly trade and make billions more. And get, they get all of our data that they're selling and making billions off of that too. I think they're perfectly fine if the end game is now that they've all made their money, they become public utilities. And, and they're regulated and similar to the same things you can't say in a public school classroom about what the origin of life is or what a marriage is or what a gender is you, will be the same rules for social media. I think, I think Google and YouTube and all of them are totally fine with that now that they've all made their money because then they'll be rid of us and, they, and they've all become billionaires. I, my fear is if we don't do a, a reasonable limited government solution to this, History has shown if we don't offer reasonable limited government solutions to problems, eventually we'll get the full Monty. We won't exist in a nothing. So what's wrong with Josh Howley's bill where he just simply says, hey, it's your business. It's your intellectual property. Okay. We're providing you an extra regulatory environment, but you now want to defy it. You, you want to act like a publisher. So are you a platform or are you a publisher? You may be either one you want. It's a free country, but you must choose. What's wrong with that in your mind, DC? What do you think? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not opposing um, Josh's legislation that he's uh, submitted, but I, I do think that, um, you know, when you, even with these rules, they're going to be looking for exceptions to those rules. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's going to let, you know, how do they, how does that even work itself out and being able to monitor all content that comes onto the publishing now platform? Right. Uh, right. And, you know, well, they're before, doing it now. Some, we're, we're learning. I think they're, they're doing it now. Yeah, I think. What, yeah, it, well, they're doing it, you know, but I mean, to do it in mass like that, it, it would actually destroy, I think, social media, which to me, that's not really such a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing either. Yeah. We're not asking for. I think it's been, I, I think it's been horrible for our society. And, you know, it's just so immediate, so lack of thinking and so hostile uh, that it's not good. And so maybe just self-destruct by the very law that's been there to to make it work. So I'm not entirely opposed by that. I'm not not saying that. I just say I think there's a tension here which may be the cause of a lot of the hesitancy. Like with the border, though, we're not really asking for new government or bigger government. Just enforce the existing laws. These companies are in breach. There should be a class action lawsuit by now. They're lying to Congress claiming they're not at at it. editorializing, I, and they clearly are. DC is right about the concern about where can things go. We must ask all these questions because they always go to play. But we really don't want anything new. Enforce the law. These companies are currently in breach. If we don't ask and demand government do what it's actually supposed to do, the left is going to make government do all the things yes. that it's not supposed to do. That If we have not learned that, then that's the constant lesson of history here. Let's get to the exit question. On, on a scale of 1 to 10, Noticing a theme here with one being as flaccid and useless as Lindsey Graham's T level and 10 being as laser focused as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. How much of a priority should this issue be for liberty loving people? Aaron. 7.5. Todd. Oh, it should be a 10. What do you think, DC? 10. All right, we're going to skip issue four for the sake of time. I wanted us, I wanted us to, we were having a good conversation there. And issues four is always our fun little kicker anyway. So I wanted us to make sure we had plenty of time to address that issue. Uh, let's get to predictions. Todd, go. You know that scene at the end of the movie Birdman? where Michael uh, Keaton's character, after this strange movie, he's levitating at the end. In one of these debates, Marianne Williamson. Williamson is going to levitate for that's no a, a, explainable reason, but she's going <laughs> to levitate, and it's going to be awesome. Oh, that's great. What do you think, Aaron, your prediction? NFC North is going to be Vikings, Lions, Packers, and Bears. Uh, DC, your prediction, and you've got a new book, and I want you to tell us about that as well. Go ahead. 
Netflix will make another dystopian film. This time, you won't be able to walk anywhere. You're going to have some kind of, you know, we, we can't see now. They're going to go through all the five, all the, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's going to be reduced down to just one person, the whole film, and they can't move. And it's it's a whole new kind of, you know, catastrophic kind of existence. So, yes, Netflix, thank you for bringing positivity to all of us. And then plug, hey, make sure you plug your book while you've got the platform. Go ahead. Yes, I have a book coming out to me on pre-orders. It's What Men Want to Say to Women But Can't. Mm. And What Men so Want to about, Say to Women But Can't. We're going to have a whole so hour show that. talking yeah, about we that will, book. We will be bringing you back to you talk are, about yeah. that book for it's sure. It's booked. Yes. Uh, my prediction, I even represented with the shirt today. Uh, in the new Spider-Man movie, I'm going to predict they will do a soft introduce of Norman Osborn to the MCU by revealing that Oscorp is the new owner of Tony Stark's former Trump Tower. That's just going to be kind of a little throwaway, won't be a major thing, but just to get, you know, to get the, the fanboy geeks like me, uh, throw us a, a friggin' bone here. DC, did you understand any of what he just said? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. I think the Green Goblin, I think he's a, one of the best villains ever, and I think he has the depth to bring into that, and I think that people know him, he, he's familiar, uh, yeah, now he'll be perfect. Wow. She is the right woman to write what men want to say to women, <laughs> yeah. but can't. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm a geek, too. I really am. I'm such a Tell geek. your husband he's a blessed man and have a nice day, DC. It's good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us here today. All right. God bless. Thank you. All right. We'll come back. Hour number two here in a moment uh, with some feedback Friday. And we have a collection of topics that we are going to get to. And... There's one I wanted to get to first, and I lost this guy's email. Where is it at? Oh, it's a letter. A guy, a guy wrote us a letter in response to our thoughts on college. And I want to give uh, Aaron a chance to respond to it especially, and we'll do that here and more with Feedback Friday as we close out the week with your responses to us next. And we are back with hour number two, live and on demand here on The Blaze. If you are listening to us, by the way, on demand via the podcast, if you wouldn't mind, leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice, only if you like us. If you don't, don't lie. But if you do, maybe even embellish a little. We would appreciate that. Thousands of you have done that for us already. And the more of you that continue to do so, the more likely we are to find more people just like you, and the more likely we are to get to continue to keep our jobs. And we're all very happy about that, particularly... Uh, the people that live in the same homes that we do. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Now, I don't know about your neighborhood, but we are seeing uh, droves of, of real estate yard signs going up. And I, I'm, I still communicate uh, with my old real estate agent, Scott Remsberg, because he like lives in the same neighborhood. And I was asking him, I'm like, hey, there's like five new real estate companies here in town. I mean, how would you know if, if these aren't names? I mean, like Century 21 is a national name, you know, so you kind of know who they are, but there's like four others. I've never heard of these before. So how do you know who's legit and who's not? Well, that's why Glenn Beck and some of his associates started uh, Real Estate Agents I Trust a few years ago, because they too 
uh, had uh, too many uh, horror stories of real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the results as intended when needed the most. You're looking for an agent who's got a track record of successfully navigating real estate markets, who goes through the data, but also understands what the term outlier means. And so he doesn't spare the details. And then someone that you've got a rapport with, they return calls on time. If you need something at the last minute, they don't make it look like they're moving heaven and earth, but understand that they're here to serve you. If you want a real estate agent that you can trust, they're one click away. Just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. We were talking during the break. Before we get to Feedback Friday, I, I think our Kamala Harris conversation deserves a postscript. And you, you brought up the name Hillary Clinton, Todd. If, if Hillary Clinton had run 25 years earlier, and if she were hotter, because this is a visual-based business, even for the guys, it's not as important. Even the Dalai Lama knows that. Yeah, it, 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 it's not as important, you know, and yes, that's a double standard. But, you know, there's a reason why Joe Biden is wearing all the makeup he was wearing on the stage last night, because he can't look that old. It is a visual-based medium. But if, if, if Hillary had run 25 years earlier, if she were as hot as Kamala Harris and a minority, the, the, the pure, unadulterated ambition... Because you saw it later in Hillary's career, the, and you, you referenced when we were talking during the break, the changing accents. And, you know, but at that point, she, she was such a, a nationally defined figure, um, and she had aged so much that it was clear pandering, and, and, and especially coming from an old white lady, or just like, you're just chilling in Cedar Rapids, really? I mean, my kids are still laughing about that video. Right. Okay. With Kamala Harris, though, she's from another era. And... Um, and, and, you know, she didn't, her law career is, is, is county prosecutor. It's not, let me serve at this prestigious law firm in Arkansas because, and because my husband's the governor, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She has largely carved all of what she has out on her own. I mean, even the sleeping with Willie Brown, that's a calculated strategic choice. And what you saw last night. I want to I want to warn those of you in the what's left of America. Do not underestimate her. She is not Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren wants to win an argument with history. Kamala Harris is a conqueror. She wants to plant a flag. We've told you all these years in this show. Everyone in politics is either a crusader, a gangster, or a groupie. Donald Trump is a true gangster. Elizabeth Warren, a true crusader. Kamala Harris is a gangster. This is, I think we have no, I mean, she's already taking back her raising her hand on Medicare for all yesterday. That's like the fifth position on this issue she's taken. If I think we have no idea what she is capable of. And, you know, what was it? Eric Fenstrom was the uh, was Mitt Romney's uh, Carl Rove's Fengali who made the reference to the etch a sketch. You know, once the once the nomination is over, you then you, know, you give us out the etch a sketch, and you kind of just become the candidate people need you to be. Is I I I have no idea if that busing story is even true. 
And it wouldn't shock me if we found out later it was all made up. But I, I think year of no BS. Yeah. We're still in that, right? Yep. Yep. I, I, I could see this woman breaking down and crying in the middle of a debate with Trump when he's trolling her and, you know, literally just making something up from her history. And, you know, this reminds me of a white guy who did this to me when I was 16. I, I think you have no idea what she is capable of. I, and I, I, would, I would respect her as a potentially formidable opponent. I, I could see her eating all kinds of Chick-fil-A sandwiches, folks. I could see what you saw there last night and the deft touch, the way it was applied, perfectly performed. Joe, I, I don't want to. I, I don't believe you're a racist, Joe. But I'm about to open you up and pull but out I'm, your. I image. am about to prove that you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm. That's that 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 what you see there. If you're just looking at, forget ideology and party. Look at people as human beings first. And what you see there is the eye of the tiger, honey. That's what you see. That's Clubber Lang doing doing chin ups on a pipe in a basement all right and joe biden is rocky balboa working out at gold's gym all right doing photo ops you saw that's the eye of the tiger right there and 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 i i don't think you have any clue when you when when someone has a taste of that next july after the conventions are all done and she's like you know what what what's the rainbow jihad in in nancy pelosi's district gonna do vote for trump no I'm winning California anyway. So I'm going to eat every damn chicken, Chick-fil-A sandwich the state of Florida sells. I could see that. That's the look of a person who will do those things. That's the look of a person who has long ago made peace with, you know, my ambition is worth making certain moral calculations. And, and I, I think you're dealing with a, a different breed with her i would not underestimate her at all at all she's not going to be a cartoon or a construct i mean there's a clip going around where chris matthews asked her totally buying into her busing sob story afterwards he goes i, I just can't believe you weren't racist against white people and she just turned of course not i don't judge people like that i mean folks i know i know i know you guys all want to hear because I'm still doing the same sports talk radio show I used to do, right? Whoever's playing the home team sucks, can't win, and the home team can't lose unless the refs rob them. I know, I know that's what most of you want to hear. But for those who have ears to hear, recognize talent when you see it. Respect, and in this industry, pure, nihilistic, unadulterated ambition. You bet your sweet bippy that's a talent, particularly when it comes in a package that looks like her. All right. She's going to think she's got all kinds of license to sister soldier, all kinds of people in reverse. And, and I, I think we have, I, I think if you're wondering who is the Democrats etch a sketch candidate, I think you might be thinking, you might have learned last night. It's her. She's got the balls to try to pull it off. You know, what's funny and what, everything you said is is I would agree with, especially the part about respecting her. Um, she was actually there's several attempts you noticed over the last couple of days 
There were several attempts at looking like a genuine, real human being. She was basically the only person to be able to pull it off. I will say, for the last, what, uh, last five to seven minutes, if you had not been using feminine pronouns, who could you have been describing? I think hmm. we both know the answer to this question. It's uh, the man of orange. Uh, yeah. In a lot of ways. Yes. It's yes. just that he he's not, you know, an attractive, uh, young, you know, youngish, middle-aged woman. Essentially, Kamala Harris, to quote Donald Trump's own book, moved on Willie Brown like a bitch. That's what he did. She did for her own ambition, for her own trophy. That she she has look at her career. It's the art of the deal. Just from yeah. a, from the other side of the totally street, guys. True. Just from the other side of the street. I, and, I, and 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 and. Elizabeth Warren is going to sit there and make the case for Medicare for all, which you saw right there in Kamala Harris. In those in the in the clips you saw last night, you saw a woman. She will cut Medicare like a like a hog, if it means if that's the difference between her winning or not. And then after winning, just do whatever the hell she wants. Okay, that do not respect your opponent. There's even Nick Saban when they're playing Middle Tennessee, watches the film, all right? Knowing he's got better players than they do, but he still knows, hey, they got scholarships on that team too. Those guys are lifting weights. They're trying hard too, all right? So watch the film of your opponent. What she is showing you is a tendency to ruthlessness. Ruthlessness, but a different kind of ruthlessness. We're used to ruthlessness from the Democratic Party, but we're used to being it almost solely from an ideological perspective. This is this is a this is a different basic instinct which you're watching with her, I believe. Yeah. I, I think you're watching the oldest form of ruthlessness known to man and the kind that has driven the current head of the Republican Party for his last 75 years, just in a different package. So don't underestimate her. She was the only one who who went Baker Mayfield and planted yep. her flag. And you know what scene from a movie is popping through my head? It is, it is Dark Knight Rises, or before Bane and Batman fight for the uh, first time, and and Bane's just talking. Oh, you adopted the darkness, but I was raised in it. Yes. I mean, she just is like, yes. ah, none of you come from where I come from. That's a great analogy. You're all posers. Yep. And uh, can you imagine what they're gonna if what, if she's ascendant? Who's going to have the guts to step to her because they know they have to do it and go Willie Brown on her and bring that up? And what is that conversation going to look like? I mean, when you look at even the timing of this, go, go through Twitter threads last night as people are reacting to this debate in real time. We're 45 minutes and this is a great night for Joe Biden. Nobody's laying a glove on him. And then in like a five minute period, this became like an extinction level oh, event. I know. And what that tells you, again, that's impeccable timing. She didn't force it. She didn't, she, that, that there's, a, there's a cunningness. Because there, she a cunning knew. There. I don't know when, yes. I don't know how, yes. but. Yes, I don't, I don't have to jump right in here in the yeah. first five minutes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to read the jury. And I'm like, well, you know, what, what's, the, what's juror number nine's trigger? All right? And, and when I see uh, the defendant on the witness stand... Is is has has lost his some mo some old mo with the jury. That's when I go for the kill shot, and that's exactly what happened last night. It was almost like she rope doped Biden. 
let him build up a head of steam, let him punch himself out like Ali Frazier, and then like the seventh or eighth round, well, pounce. Yeah, you can't make it look like, what did this poor old man ever do to you by just right? stepping, but you give him a little time, and bam. And and I will admit, I'm impressed by it. And it just, just the way, you know, um, uh, the the way Patton was impressed with Rommel, I'm impressed with by it as uh, the respect of a fellow competitor. I'm not like on a personal level like uh, I'm admiring this. But King, just Ri- like, King Richard Saladin, g- yes. yeah, game to game, I'm like, I see, where, I see you, I see where you're coming from. You're on the radar. I got you. I see you coming. Don't underestimate her. End of PSA. Hey, do you have a stoplight at your kitchen table? No, you don't. Because that. That would be weird. Thankfully, you've got one in your gut, uh, and it's one uh, your creator and nature put there. It's got a long name, but its abbreviation is three simple letters, O-E-A. What does it do? One simple job. It just it, it sends a signal from the gut to the brain to tell it, hey, we're full down here. We can stop eating, get active, shut down the cravings. Uh, we're not hungry. Kick in the metabolism. Unfortunately, for too many of us, that signal just isn't as strong as it needs to be, particularly as we get older. If you want to find out, hey, is, is, is this maybe that I'm working out, I'm trying to eat better, but you know, I'm still really hungry, you know, what's going on here? This might be the missing link in your losing battle with your bulge. Find out. Use my name, Steve, as a special offer code. When you go to the website, riduzone.com, and I need to tell you, this isn't loaded with chemicals, caffeine's not a stimulant, only has three ingredients. Rice is one. The overwhelmingly main ingredient is just this OEA. That's that's all that it is, okay? Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, for riduzone.com. And again, use my name, Steve, as a promo code. They'll give you a special offer when you go to the website at riduzone.com. All right, let's get to Feedback Friday. And I want to start with a note from Neil Marks. And, and he, he writes, you guys' recent criticism of higher education deserves a response. First of all, colleges and universities are not trade schools. Regardless of what students want, and a, an important objective of the four years spent on campus is filling out one's liberal arts education. In this way, exposure to the great ideas of Western civilization is gained with emotional and intellectual growth available to students who invest themselves in their studies. That said, some majors, notably engineering and business, offer graduates immediate employment and good salaries. Still, majors in the liberal arts, social sciences, and the so-called hard sciences are not a waste of time and money, assuming that the perils of academic feminism and Marxism can be avoided. Most of these areas of studies are natural pathways to graduate school, law school, medical, and medical school while offering along the way chances to develop new interests and extend existing ones while contemplating important questions of humanity. What you said about the excellent living to be made as a carpenter, electrician, plumber, HVAC technician, or other tradesman is true. And I encountered some students in 33 years of teaching who should have chosen such a path, though one hopes not enough to put significant downward pressure on wages associated with these occupations. As for Dr. Duke Pesta, and this was our conversation with Duke, who's a college professor, by the way, uh, on a recent podcast that, that sparked this response from Neil. As for Dr. Duke Pesta's plan for making college or university responsible for a student's death, this assumes that the institution is accountable for all academic failures. 
when in fact poor study habits, lack of dedication to the task at hand, and excessive attention to extracurricular activities are primary causes. A better idea is cost reduction through trimming of the administrative overload present in many locations and elimination of frivolous expenditures not associated with the academic mission. Otherwise, your conversation was very refreshing, especially the reference to our students' lack of critical thinking skills, the development of which can be initiated as early as middle school. If that happens, then 18-year-olds will be capable of asking insightful questions about socialism and social justice, rather than following blindly the nonsensical rhetoric being spewed by Bernie Sanders and his acolytes. And his acolytes. And that's from Neil Marks. He's a professor emeritus of decision sciences at Miami University. That's Miami of Ohio. So let me, let me give my thought, because it'll be quick, to what Neil wrote, and then I'll turn it over to you two. I agree with, what everything Neil, I agree with everything Neil said. The, the, there's a poison pill, though, in your note, Neil. Yep. All right? And I want to make sure I find the, uh, the I- exact line. Here it is. Still, majors in the liberal arts, social sciences, and the so-called hard sciences are not a waste of time, of money, of time and money, assuming that the perils of academic feminism and Marxism can be avoided. That, that, that's, Uh-oh. that's, that, yes, yeah. Carl Lewis, that's the devil in the detail right there. Okay. And I, I think that's a really large assumption it, because I, I think too much of, of academia has been taken over, not even by liberals, by hard leftists. And this is their, this is their, uh, this is their their youth ministry. This is where they glom onto and recruit the next generation. And 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 I think they don't so much care about using the social science and and the liberal arts programs for the reasons for a, a more holistic, you know, um, human experience. No, I I think they're interested in the triumph of the will of using this as a platform for for you to recruit you to their particular human experience not a well-rounded or holistic one and i think that is the devil in the details otherwise i don't have any disagreement with what you wrote at all neil gentlemen your thoughts that was exactly where i was going to go as well and i would say the the argument that i've made before if, if you are going to send your kids to college and you've raised them right and you've um, already raised them to to uh, learn and and ask the right questions. Then by all means, it's maybe. And Todd and I just had this uh, conversation. What was it yesterday morning, Todd? By all means, you might be better off sending them to actually a bastion of uh, feminism and Marxism, so that they may be challenged while potentially learning something as well. But that is a, a, also based on a huge assumption that you've actually done a good job as a parent, that you've actually been able to equip your children with asking good questions and going to the right sources for answers when they do need answers to those questions. But yeah, that is that is the big if here. That is the big assumption, assuming you can find an education. I can't remember the exact words, an education free of uh, feminism and Marxism. That is that is the huge thing about college. And in those, if you're sending them to learn something that they hope they can capitalize on, if they're not already interested in something specific, yep. very specific within a liberal arts degree, it's really probably a bad idea to send them to a college for anything. Um, it's, it, it's better at that point, I would say, most of the time uh, to go to a trade school. Because look at how every subject is increasingly weaponized 
Yes. Against reality itself, the sciences, uh, pronouns. So English. I mean, th- right. this this is the point. You are. I have no problem. My my daughters do not have to go to college to get something that's practical in the sense that you mentioned a job that's high paying. Right. If if my daughters have a passion for English literature, if that's evident, mm-hmm. fine. Absolutely. You can figure out a way to teach that can be parlayed into something else that you may not understand on the road. But as long as that's there and then you have the worldview framework to dodge and weave the bullets that are coming and they're increasingly armor piercing. So you are all right. But unless we embrace the worldview issue, and this is why we have the college bubble, the the issue with the people don't do that. They all they feel is the pressure to go to college. And so all these people go there that don't belong there, and then instantly they are brainwashed and hijacked. And that can't be denied. And I think there's a connection between those two. Yeah, I think that they are intentionally brainwashed that they have to go to college um, in order so that when they go there and meander and don't really have a reason why they're there, that they, that this is, this is, this is, it's a, it's their version of a rally. It's, you know, it's their version of the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Okay, I mean, they are planting seeds. Yes, you have to go. And while you're here and before you discover who you are or why the hell you're here mm-hmm. in the first place, let us uh, help you uh, determine what your actual path is. It's a yeah, mission it's a field. cult recruitment. Yes. Yeah, and here's here's another thing as well. And this was this is with my private school. And this was the context of the conversation that Todd and I talked about yesterday morning. I, I, uh, the, the further out from college, and again, I'm really thankful for where I went to school because, um, you know, I, I had a focus, I had a passion, and I was able to develop that there, and it led to opportunities like this one. Uh, but I, I will say, in hindsight, and the further away I get from it, I was really naive to the, the type of people who are around me because I see my former classmates embracing and down to clown with fill-in-the-blank progressive issue on almost a daily basis. And I, I, I witnessed people while I was there. I figured, you know, pretty much everybody here is right of center. They're conservative in their theology, maybe a few outliers. I mean, I saw people when I was there as well. And I'm not trying to badmouth my school because there's still good professors there, especially in the Bible department. They're li- they, they go to this private Christian liberal arts school. And they're living like the world as well. And that's everywhere. But I would look at them. And I look back now, and I see my former classmates now, a lot of them, who are just totally, like I said, down to clown with progressivism. What's the point of even going here? And the only answer to that, if you're going to live like, uh, like uh, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to come to, I don't know, the promised land, but live like you're still in Gamora, uh, what's the point of coming here? And the only logical answer to that question is, Maybe uh, peer pressure from the parents that just want to send them to a Christian school, or just you know I grew up in a Christian family and I got to go to college. I guess I got to go here. That's what it comes down to, I think, for all of these along the lines of what you guys were saying. Even at a Christian college, I got to go to college, so I guess I'll go to a Christian one because I grew up in a Christian family. That's not a good reason, just not. And and I don't know, I don't know what the antidote is, and you know I I also don't want a, a sheltered environment. You know, I, we homeschooled our kids to protect their innocence, but, you know, uh, they were aware of many of the major trends that were going on in their age group and pop culture and things of that nature. We just monitored how in depth to be exposed to those things. And when they got destructive, the answer would be no, you know? Um, but when you have a situation like what happened up the road at Iowa state several years ago, 
So in Iowa State, you had this visiting professor named Guillermo. Uh, I think what was his name? Was it Guillermo Gonzalez? Gonzalez? Gonzalez. Yeah. yeah, Guillermo Gonzalez was a was a well respected visiting f- professor. I believe like astrophysics or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. Correct. Right. And and he he had he puts out a, a DVD called "The Privileged Planet." Because he's doing the calculations on the origin of life on Earth. And what he's finding is that if you do all the math, the odds that the human species as we know it today would have originated from a purely natural, random form of materialistic processes evolving over the course of any number of years, millions, billions, whatever the number of years, was essentially the odds of you taking a follicle of your hair on the dark side of the moon putting it on a golf tee and hitting it and having it land on the earth. So impossible. Yes. And so he starts doing this math and he has a choice to make as a scientist. Do I just ignore this math or do I pursue it? Well, he decides to do, you know, science, not science. So he decides to keep testing the scientific method and keeps finding these, these odds are more and more and more fantastical. He finds that, the, that when you actually lay out what we what the Hubble telescope has been able to tell us in, in terms of its resolution, what we know of how the universe is laid out, the best place to actually observe the most ideal location in all of the cosmos, as far as we can tell, to, to be able to observe most of what we know about cosmic phenomenon happens to be Earth. Why? Well, you know, people like us would say, you know, um, the heavens declare the glory of his handiwork. That's what we would say. He's just an astrophysicist doing math. All right? And it ultimately leads to him putting out this DVD, The Privileged Planet, while he's up for tenure. The head of the religious studies department, a defrocked Catholic priest, atheist activist named Hector Avalos, leads a, leads a jihad to deny this guy his tenure. And this, that scene in God's Not Dead where, where Kevin Sorbo's professor says, by the end of this semester, you're going to leave here not believing in Christianity. Hector Avalos began every single semester at Iowa State with that exact same mission statement. This is Iowa State, guys. It's an ag school, man. Iowa State. And if that's happening in Iowa State, it's, it's pretty much happening pretty much everywhere. It's pretty much metastasized absolutely everywhere. If you're one of the millions of Americans dealing with chronic pain, that's pain that comes from inflammation. Relief might be one click away. It's called Relief Factor. It's one of the favorite uh, products that I've had a chance to sample since we came over here to the Blaze. And I heard all these success stories from other Blaze people about how great it was. And I was like, can anything be that good? Well, I can tell you, I am a, I've been a daily user of this for months now. And I can tell you, yes, this product, I'm a true believer. And what I love about it the most, it's 100% drug-free, even though it, it's a formula created by physicians. So people who can prescribe drugs realized all they were doing was treating symptoms. How do we unleash the body's natural, God-given healing potential? Because it was, it was made to push back against inflammation. All right, so how do we unleash that? And it's a formula of four key natural ingredients that you're going to find in Relief Factor. And right now, you can find that you can try it for just a dollar a day for three weeks. It's called the Starter Kit. 20 bucks is all it costs you for three weeks. That's a dollar a day. What do you have to lose for a dollar a day? You've tried everything else. Why not give this a shot? Maybe finally, 
you'll lose the pain. Just go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. All right, we'll come back. More of the Feedback Friday from you as we respond to your responses to us in just a moment. Live and on demand on The Blaze next. If you watched a recent episode of 60 Minutes, the head of the uh, former head, of the FBI's cyber crimes unit was on warning that indeed, as we've been warning you on this show for several months, uh, the latest crime wave sweeping the nation is called home title fraud. And here's why. Number one, the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have uh, in their lifetimes is their own home. So that makes it a target right there, especially when we get to point two. Uh, since a lot of these things are digitized nowadays, your, your home's title, your mortgage note are kept online uh, in databases that can be hacked. And so scammers do so, and then they forge their name onto your paperwork, claim that uh, they now own the home, and they use your home as collateral to borrow against the equity in it, and then they stick you with the payments. And often you don't even know uh, until late payment notices arrive, maybe even foreclosure notices. Uh, your home's mortgage lender can't help you. Your, your bank can't help you. Your identity theft protection can't help you, but for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. We'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title to make sure that your most valuable investment remains your valuable investment. If you want to learn more or you want to get a free title scan and report, find out if you're already uh, been targeted or been tampered with. Just go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. This is from Anthony Simonski, who writes, you guys love to argue intellectually regarding topics. Here's one I've been formulating. Since we all know that civil rights violations have no statute of limitations, why isn't the Justice Department not investigating the Democratic Party? The Democratic Party were the main perpetrators of slavery. Um, uh, they also uh, were uh, those in the South that committed treasonous acts against the United States government. Uh, after losing the war, they used Jim Crow laws to perpetrate or to perpetuate white supremacy throughout the South. They used their party to even block all civil rights legislation well into the 1960s. I believe it would be easy for the Justice Department to take up litigation for the descendants of slavery against the Democrat Party, asking for reparations from the party. What do you think, Todd? <laughs> no, I mean, it's no. not going to happen. No, no, but, no. but don't I like the way he's connecting the dots, don't you? Well, this is what we talk about, that when you have... A, an assertion by the progressive uh, in your midst. The more and more heightened the rancor gets, the almost near certainty increases that they are guilty of the very thing on some level that you're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they can always, if they would just start with themselves, and this is the point I was making early in the show about the, uh, uh, about, um, with immigration and everybody raising your hands, how now uh, white, blue-collar uh, plumber America is now starting to feel the level of tokenism mm -hmm. that black America has had to deal with for a very long time and is slowly but surely increasingly uh, uh, waking up to 
uh, as well. Yeah, the, but that's what we talk about government. One of the biggest problems, you create a, a, a new government role. And one of the biggest problems is it's there to solve a problem, right? If they solve the problem, there's no more government there. They don't, they want their job. They, they, they want their role. They want to be the savior. They increase, they, they, they believe that they are necessary existentially instead of just being, well, instead of being in the private sector, hey, you know, if there's a problem, we'll solve it. If there's not a problem, we just won't exist anymore. That's not how government thinks. So you're, you're of course right, but there is no way for, them to ever embrace your thinking that's because of the worldview issue they are at war with reality you are trying to embrace reality enough said but the reason i like mr samoski the reason i like what you're doing here sure is you're is you're making them own the ultimate conclusion of what they're asserting i mean we go back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago about kamala harris and and what she did to the gutting of joe biden last night well she also uh all but admitted, the political party uh, that she belongs to, she all but admitted it's segregationist past. Because that's why these were friends with Joe Biden. She, by her, own, by her own admission, she is admitting that the Democratic Party, at a time that still a lot of people who are going to vote 500 days from now can remember, was a racist, was a party that, inhab- that you know, racist and segregationist felt friendly. And ironically, and in the process, using the vice president and running mates of the first black president yes. of that party. Yes, but but ultimately, we need to force them. You know, D.C. McAllister said something fascinating last hour when she said, you know, you're in an era now where you really can't debate objective truth with people. There, in many respects, most Americans are like teenagers and, yeah. and unruly teenagers. Yes. And they're just going to have to fail on their own and know, you know, you know, maybe mom and dad weren't as dumb as I thought and learn the hard way when they become this unhinged. So you know what? Hey, if, if you believe that we have a responsibility to grant immediate asylum with no vetting to everybody who comes across the border, then we need to have arguments like the one Daniel Horowitz made a few days ago on the program. Then why isn't it our responsibility to land the boats in every single one of these countries yes. that these people are coming from so that they don't risk their lives or risk being captured by human traffickers, right? Why don't we do that? It's 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 the question of asking, uh, you know, then why do we have any limits on abortion? What what limits would you put on it? Could I could I kill a child after it's born? Right. These are the sorts of things we need to be asking more and more of. Because it forces in them into a binary situation yes. where they either say something absurd or they expose themselves yeah. as a scam. Yes. You and and. Yes, we want to defeat their arguments, but I'd like to change some of their hearts and minds too, you know? I mean, liars, thieves, adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals, these do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Such as once, though, were some of you. All of us were one of those things at one particular point in time, you know? So really the ultimate goal here is transformation. I mean, I'd like to change some of those hearts and minds. And one of the ways to do it is to is to is ultimately sometimes you have to let the prodigal son go, and you know what the the days of wine and women are fun until the money runs out, and now you got to crash and burn and you're sitting there in a pigsty eating pig pots as a good Jewish boy is not supposed to be anywhere near any of those things. Frankly, there. Let me give you an analogy from my own life. In our in our old small group, and we're still dear friends with all those people in the in the in the church we all used to belong to. 
the oldest son of one of the families in our small group uh, had a rough upbringing because his younger brother had cancer and was on death's door several times. And the amount of attention that had to go to that, of course, there's only so much time in the day. And so he kind of felt like he was neglected. And then ultimately his brother ended up passing away. And, you know, then he felt guilty for feeling like he was neglected because he loved his brother. And of course his parents, I mean, that can really wreck the, the, the head of a 58 year old, let alone an 18 year old. So he gets himself involved in, in, in booze and drugs. And his parents kept leaping to his, to his aid when he would crash and burn. And this went on for months and months and months and months and months. One night we're sitting in our small group and they get a call and he's in jail. And they and 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 it's bad. And they're going to leave right away. We barricaded the door and didn't let him go. He's not in a life or death situation. He's in jail. Yeah, he's not like stranded in a third world country poppy field somewhere. Okay, but they also had a lot of guilt by the time that was spent with the younger son and not with him at the same time. And he's playing on that. He's praying on it is what he's doing. And, and we're like, you have to let him. He, the statute of limitations, he's a man now. He has to face the consequences for his actions. You can get in the way of God disciplining him because you keep trying to save him. That's not your job. It's God's. And we didn't let him go that night. Now, I'm firmly convinced, and I think if he were here today, because I know him well, there were still some downs after that night, but I think he would go and tell you his parents not rushing to his defense and forcing him to spend some time in that jail cell was the opening salvo of him getting his life right. Now he's married, man of God, totally different dude. But if you keep bailing people out of their bad choices, they'll keep making the same bad choices. And ultimately, we may be in a situation where the mob is so unruly, we can't argue anymore. We can't reason anymore. And, you know, we're doing a lot of quoting of Romans 1 these days. Well, don't leave out the part where God says, and um, he gave them over to their own depraved minds. Meaning, they, they just, they refuse to listen. There would be no reasoning. Then so be it. You'll... You're going to have to learn this all the real hard way. We may have to do that. We, we may. That's kind of my version of a Benedict option. Is we may just have to say, you know what? We're not going to participate in these broadly cultural things that you have nihilistically decomposed into rot gut. But if you want to, then that's on you. And you're just going to have to learn this the hard way. Now, you, you, you know, no one's redeemed without a repentance. And, and no one has any repentance until they realize they have something to repent of. What are your thoughts on that, gentlemen? Anything you want to add? Well, I think uh, what you just described is the simple but hard that we talk about. You... What you guys did for your friends uh, in that moment was done out of great love. And it was, it, it, it's a clear, simple solution if you really um, 
are people coming to that small group to truly glorify the things of God and humble yourself before him. But it's, it's not easy to do what you guys did. No, I mean, it was, I'm sure it was incredibly painful. It was a painful. very difficult time. And that's right where we live on so many issues. It is increasing. The crazier things get in terms of the turning over of reality, it just it becomes increasingly clear what must be done. And those clear things are very, very often very, very hard. Nonetheless, that's where we live. I want to defeat leftists. But you know what the best way to defeat leftists are? Transformation is the best way. Now, it's not the only way. And sometimes that option's not on the table. Is it an easy way, though? That's what we want to know. No, it's not easy either. It's not. But such as once were some of us. You know, and I, I kind of feel as a believer, I at least have to, I have to err on the side of giving it a chance. That's why I spent so many years doing mainstream media appearances and all those things. And it was only once it was clear now that we're at the point that DC McAllister communicated. And I've, and I've had, and I had doubts about, you know, was I, was I too harsh? Did I, did I drop the hammer too soon? And the last straw is when out of nowhere, after ignoring me for months, CNN tries to track me down on a Friday afternoon. The day it's the Friday that Avengers infinity war is coming out. And they're calling and texting me constantly because there's a story out that Trump paid off North Korea and they haven't, and, and they, and they suddenly want to book me. Why? After I didn't exist all these months. Now I do. And they have to get me on. Why? Because they're desperate to find a conservative who's critical of, of Trump's soft-headed approach to North Korea. They're not interested in the truth. They're not and they're, they're interested in a narrative. And that's the difference between can I re, can I, that's the difference between going to the temple and going to Herod's palace. The temple is where there may be people who demonstrably disagree with you and on an existential level. And it's you or them. They want to end you because they so disagree. But you're still having a debate. Herod's palace is the show. There's nothing meaningful happening there. It's just the show. And, and if you go back to the life of Christ, where is he silent? At Herod's palace. Where is he the most vocal? At the temple. I think we should emulate that as we look at the culture that we are in. We're, I have no interest in your show. Now, if CNN called me in 10 minutes and said, hey, we, we want to interview you for a 10-minute segment, and it's just you and, and I don't care who the host is. Would I do that? I do that, I do that with Don Lemon, as nuts as I think he is. But their panels and everything else they do, that's Herod's Palace. There's no, there's no opportunity there. You're to be a foil. You're to give them the entertainment value that they want. They're not, they're, there's no place where you could even hijack that in your own and use it for your own stead. So there's no point in speaking up. <sighs> How much more time we have, Aaron? I want to make sure I'm on the same clock here. Uh, about five minutes. Okay, all right. Uh, this is from Michael, who has some very kind words for the show, and we appreciate that, Michael. He says, I live in Central California in a nice little conservative pocket, but it's constantly growing more and more purple, as most things are that don't stick to principles. I feel like I have a good handle on most of the major political issues that will decide the election, like life, the border. But there's one that I need I need help filling out, and that is that healthcare should be a right. My friends at work keep trying to push that it is super easy and the compassionate thing to do. Um, you don't have a right to something that requires consent from another party to acquire. 
for for example, if healthcare is a right, can you walk into a convenience store and just grab the uh, you know the the band aids off the shelf and walk out? Can you walk into the drugstore and just grab the aspirin and the or the uh, Tylenol or acetaminophen or the ibuprofen and just walk out? If birth control is a right, and birth control is healthcare, vis a vis, they're both rights. Can I just pull into the truck stop and uh, go full Trojan man and walk out without paying? No. If you do any of those things, what will you be charged with? Theft. And slavery in the case of, you know, demanding a doctor care for you. (laughs) Theft. Why? Because it's not, you don't have a right to it. You have to pay for it. And that's the consent. That's the, that's the contract. The contract is we provide a product, you pay for it to have access to it. That's, that's a contract. Contracts are negotiations of consent and obligations. Rights are things you just naturally can acquire for a state of being. For example, if I attempt to stop you from breathing, I will be charged with what? Murder. Murder. Because I, because I attempted to stop your right to what? Life. Okay? A right is something you have for a state of being. Predefined by, by nature and nature's God. A permission, a, a, a provision, a contract, um, anything that requires, to pick any term you want. Those are all things you may have access to. But they require a consenting agent or consideration. All right, that's not a right. Test your buddies at work with this. Just grab their lunch one day on the, on your lunch break and start eating it. I'm hungry. Don't I have a right to your food? No? Why? If it requires consent. Like you hear people say, "Well, I have a right to have sex whoever I want." No, you don't. We we do have people that think that way. We call them rapists. Sex requires consent. So no, you don't have a right to have sex with whomever you want. Okay? Anything that requires consent is not a right. Anything you may access from your natural state of being is. Good question, though, Michael. And a conversation we probably need to reset more often. Hey, before we get out of here, do you have itchy ears, ear pain, or that plugged up feeling? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you could be like... Uh, thousands of Americans that'll be forced to go to the doctor's office for professional ear cleaning this year. You know, the one you're putting off because you don't want to spend, waste a couple of hours in your day off doing that. You don't want to waste a Saturday doing that. And then Sunday, the clinic's closed, right? So, hey, you know, and you can't go on a work day. What if you could just do it any day in the comfort and convenience of your own home with the same physician techno- developed technology the pros use? If you're like, that's too good to be true, it's not. It's called WaxRx, and now you can get it without a prescription as well. If you want to try WaxRx risk-free today and without a prescription, just go to usewaxrx.com. That's the website, usewaxrx.com. And when you go to checkout to pay, use the offer code radio at checkout, and they'll throw in free shipping. Usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Thanks to all of you for tuning in here this week, live and on demand on The Blaze. We're going to stick around and tape a little something extra for our Blaze TV subscribers. If you want to subscribe to The Blaze, blazetv.com slash dace to get your discounted Blaze TV subscription. For the rest of you, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, John 317. 
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. 